So we're talking there about, Nelsie, your start of your, your managerial journey. Let's go back to the start of your playing journey. Then how, because you were Hartlepool or had a chance to play for Hartlepool before you then signed for Hartlepool a little bit down the line. Yeah, I was at, um, uh, did me did me YTS down at Portsmouth, um, came back and then I ended up at Spennymoor. Um, played a little bit at Spennymoor, then played uh, Bishop Auckland. Mm. And I think it was when I was at, I think it was actually when I was at Spennymoor before I went to Bishop Auckland. Um, I went in, Chris Turner was the manager. Um, and I actually went and played a game at um, the Riverside at Chester Street against Newcastle Reserves. So I played for the for the Hartlepool Reserves against Newcastle. Bry was doing the, uh, Brian Honor was doing the game. Right. Um, so I knew Bry um, previously anyway. And I, and I knew Brian liked us. Um, so I went in, I played, we played against Newcastle. Um, I'm sure they just signed, I can't remember now, they just signed some some foreign lad who played, um, paid a bit of money for him. Um, and I played in that and did well. Um, got good feedback from it, but then uh, uh, Brian got back to us and, and Chris Chris didn't want to didn't want to do anything, didn't want to go any further and, and that was that. Um, and then two and a half years later, um, they had to come and buy me from Bury. So, so uh, I got there in the end. But, um, but yeah, I, I had a had a chance. But it just, again, it was one of them things where it just wasn't to be. Um, right place, right time. It was not. So, <laughs> just had to go a different, go a different way, and um, do it a different route. Because then, when you signed for Hartlepool, I think you signed officially the same day that Neil Cooper became manager. So, who actually signed you for Hartlepool? I did a, I had a lot of communication with uh, Tommy Miller, mm-hmm. uh, who was chief scout at the time. Tommy, um, Tommy played a part in taking us down to Portsmouth as a YTS at sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was doing a bit of work um, for them at the time, um, so I knew Tommy um, for a couple of years. Um, think he was the one who got us in for the the reserve game as well um and then obviously once I went into Bury and played I think I played 80, 85 games or something like that sort of established myself and I think that sort of indicated Tommy's feelings from two years previous mm-hmm. um and he, the the club backed him to to go and do it and me and Neil signed on the on the same day now, so what was what was your the first time you met Coops? What did you think of him? Like you literally your first time. Just, just I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I asked because I remember going down the ground when he was unveiled, and um, oh, well, that'll be in the same day. I we were there the same yeah. day. So they did all the press, and then he was like, "Mickey, come outside, someone we'll have a little chat." So pitch. And he's like, good. He went, yeah, I've heard that you get it right and you get out your feet and you knock straight into the stand. And I was like, looking at him. And he just burst out laughing and then just walked away from us. And so I was thinking, what, I don't know what to say to him. I don't know whether he's, he's having a joke with us or whether he's being serious. And they just kept laughing all the way around the rest of the pitch. He kept looking at us, just laughing at us. And my first impression was, this guy is either nuts or... I'm not going to be here very long. <laughs> I was definitely the first one. <laughs> it, it, was, it was just 
obviously we're both signed on the same day. He had no obviously had no input into in, in me signing, I wouldn't imagine. Um it was just it was crazy. It was just we just had a little bit of a little bit of banter about it really, about us signing on the on the same day and like not really knowing a great deal about each other. Um but that's what he was like. He was just a joker, warm, um, and just that laugh, infectious laugh, just <laughs> straight away from day one. And never really, no real talk of football either. Nothing like, this is what I'm going to do. This is like how I'm going to play. Just like cracked a few jokes and, and that was it. <laughs> see, you, see your first day of pre-season. Yeah, I, re- I remember the exact the same notes. I can't ever, and I know time goes by and you forget things, but I can't ever, apart from a match day where I used to go through every player, so he'd be like, Timmy, you're, you're having a good time. You're having a good, you're playing really well. So you used to go through the whole team and say one or two things about your opposition. But I, I can't really remember doing loads of tactics or loads of shape all the time about this is how we're going to play. It was basically like, we enjoy ourselves during training and it'll be all right on a Saturday type thing. I remember, I remember the first season, first pre-season, we did a lot of 11v11s pre-season, um, but without really any stop-start yeah. detail of, this is what I want you to do here. This, it was just literally mix the squads, mix the teams up in 11v11. And I think that was purely just to let him have a, a look at the lads, really, to try and pick out what he's what his starting team was going to be. And I, I, I do remember doing a lot of 11v11s the first pre-season, but I can never, never throughout the whole time remember going in his office and sitting in his office and talking about, I'm going to change from a, from a 4-4-2 to a, to a 3-5-2 today, or I'm, going to, I'm thinking about doing this at the weekend or anything like that. I can't remember talking any tactics, really. It's just like set the team up, do a little bit on the flip chart before we went out um, and just like go out and win, really. It was like pretty, you could say pretty blase at times, but I think we just had, we had such a good time Monday to Friday. Um, that Saturday has just seemed to click. Yeah, I think the one thing I remember on, on the Coops and Scotty was how hard we trained. We did train really hard and um, I used to love it because we used to train really hard on a Tuesday, especially because we knew we were going out on Tuesday night. So it was an incentive to, well, I'll tell you what, lads, if you're going to work hard, you can go and enjoy yourselves. And I think that summed Neil up more than anything else. He wanted you to enjoy yourselves and, and have that good time as long as you work hard. And, and that's the sort of the feeling that was around the place at the time. Not that we're out every week, most weeks, but not every week. But we were all, most of us were out together, and that's, I think that's where the, the bond of that team started on the training pitch and then followed it over with a few beers on a Tuesday as well. It was like, used to call it Tuesday a club, didn't we? <laughs> and it was like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you'll get, like, as, a, as my career went on and stuff like that, like a Tuesday club you might have three or four lads there on a Tuesday, you know what I mean? Like, three or four of the lads might go out and have a few beers on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that, stay out for a few hours. Our Tuesday clubs were like, you were in double figures every week. It was, like, it was ridiculous. I remember, I remember now we used to train at, at Maiden Castle at the time. And there would be coaches 
from Durham University. I remember um, Graham Fowler coming out one day and having a few beers with us. Cameron, the strength and condition guy, Dad, you would be dragging all these other people out because they knew you were going to have a good time and they, they wanted to be part of it because it was fun and it was enjoyable. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just the 10 or 12 lads that used to come out. You maybe get Tings used to bring a mate along and we'll be off. I mean, the stories we've got are walking into Durham and what that. You know what I mean? There's so many stories that we even talked about the other day in our WhatsApp group. It's like, I remember when Tings did this, remember when that happened. And that right, it's normally Tings like, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say the Tings was coming up a lot there. <laughs> Matt, there was one day we were walking from, what was the pub called, Mel, at the top where we saw New Inn. New Inn. We're walking down into Durham from the New Inn. And um, so there's a crew that was about 10, we spread out a little bit, and all of a sudden, Tinks goes missing. We're like, where's Tinks at? What's he up to? And he just walked into someone's front door and straight in, into the house. So then this guy cheers him out the house, and he's like, well, I don't know why he's shouting at me for. I used to get on a Tuesday, and I knew we were going out, I used to get don't drive into training on a Tuesday morning and drop us off. So I didn't have the car there. So, so, so I could just get a taxi back after, after we'd been out for a few on the Tuesday. I remember, again, it was, it was Tinks who went into one of the bars and Richie obviously wanted to, to show off his guitar skills and his singing. Oh. And, um, so it was like an open mic. And, like uh, a busker's night, wasn't it? So he had to wait his turn, so we all stood around. We probably had a few pints by then. And um, Richie gets up, plays a song, and then Tinks, I, everyone's... Like, well, that's good, that Richie. I think so I'll get up, I'll do some rapping. But like, think it's an open mic. You play it like a piano or you don't. So he stood up. I'm not kidding you. Oh, in front of four bars, he started with his rapping. Murder was the case that they gave me. And started swearing. The bar manager kissed straight off. Right, off you go. Bumps his fuel because he's like, I wanted to come back next week. We're not going to be allowed in now because of you. Well, that's just takes it and that's the way he is. <laughs> Brilliant though, that was the spirit though that carried you through, wasn't it? I mean, he built some momentum in 2002-03 when he got promoted. But then the, the seasons that followed with Neil at the heart of it, but the team itself, you know, it had that really strong, you know, team spirit, didn't it? It did. Um, and obviously when it's, obviously every, um, every season that comes by, you know, some leave and some join um, in the summer. And, you know, the new lads who came in, uh, fit straight in because the the group the core group who was there um, sort of just made them feel welcome and if they shied away from coming out from a drink Tinks would probably get them in a headlock and just drag them out <laughs> so um, it tended to, the, the group tended to like stay quite quite big and, and, and quite close um, and it was just something that was Pretty much ingrained in that in that squad really throughout the time. I think I think we policed ourselves as well. We the manager in maybe one or two times didn't really have to step in and say, look lads, you're out of line here. We knew what we could do, we knew what we couldn't do. And and like I said that if, if we're out off on a Wednesday, that Thursday training would be hundred percent again. So we knew that he could trust us to do that. It wasn't a case of well, I'm staying standard slippy because you you're enjoying yourselves. And I think that just kept building and building. Like Mel said, you added another player that, that gave you something different and, and the momentum just kept building and building throughout that time. 
how much did it help you, Nels, as a, as a brand new player coming into a successful squad to score that goal from 65 yards on your debut? Uh, what an unbelievable day that was. Uh, Coops looked like a match at the end of the day with his head. <laughs> Head was head was bright red. Never seen a man sweat so much in my life. It wasn't, it wasn't the only time I've seen him sweat. I know that. Oh, he had a white shirt on, which was see-through by the end of the game. Kept asking Doggy for a towel. Uh, it was just unbelievable. And just the way it happened. Um, four debutants as well to score. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad for a like, manager in his first game. And four debutants have scored, scored a goal each to win 4-3 late on in the game. Um, and I think that was just I think that gave everyone belief um, that we could cope at that level because it was a, it was a, you know what I mean it was a step up at the time and pretty much I don't think probably one of the favourites to to get relegated again um, and to go to a place like that um, on the opening day in that heat um, and put in such a good performance after being behind as well um you know, a couple of times, um, it was just just unbelievable, and uh, that just sort of spurred us on and give us that that belief that we we could go and and get results at at difficult places to go, and then obviously the the home form was was unbelievable as well. Shirt off and everything else. Shirt off, uh, <laughs> looked like Casper the Ghost. Uh, no, it was it was unbelievable. Managed to. Uh, he's not the biggest of lads, like, but uh, shoved Paul Robinson out the way to, to <laughs> get onto it. Um, but yeah, it was just a just a brilliant, brilliant day all around, um, and great memories. Those couple of seasons must have just been, like you say, we were winning games, you were having fun. It must have just been a, a pleasure to be. I mean. Even I wasn't involved in the in the squad, but I can remember, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and couldn't wait to get to work to find out what on earth this mad Scotsman was going to do today at Hartlepool. But for you lads in the dressing room, just with your mates playing football and also winning games and getting to the playoffs, the playoff final, all of the that went with it, it must have just been a pleasure. It was, yeah. Um, the you look back at it now, and I think at the time you don't don't really take it in because you're having mm. that much fun. Um, yeah, I agree. You just you're going in and you're training. You you like see you you have that much fun, uh, but you you're working for it as well. Like Mickey says, every training session was like full on. Like you knew Mondays were going to be tough. It's none of this. It was none of this. Like now, you you can't run them on a you can't work them on a Monday because we played ninety minutes on a Saturday. Yeah. It was like. Mondays was Monday and Tuesdays especially was like a pre-season day, and then if if you knew you'd been out on a Tuesday, your Thursday session was going to be tough as well. So, but you just don't take it in at the time because you just you're pretty much just floating along, enjoying it so much that it just becomes going in, training, having fun, seeing your mates, going home, and then going on a Saturday and winning, and and basically that's what it was like. Yeah, and then and, and then top it off obviously with Cardiff. We didn't get the result, but what a period of time that was! I know Mickey did his video diary, and it always stands out in my head. I always think when I watch that video, you say, green and white lines like everywhere else, Mick. <laughs> that was that was your. But at the time, blase about it. But it was an amazing occasion, I imagine, for everyone. 
Yeah, I mean, Mickey was up and down the coach and everything with his, his little camcorder. Uh, <laughs> so got that camcorder. <laughs> I thought you were kind of logging on it tonight. It took you that long. <laughs> I thought you were getting to do one of those. <laughs> no, but it was, it was good. You know, it was like, obviously went there the day before and had a look around the stadium. And like you say, used to see it every, every game we used to go to, every stadium we go out on. You see, you get there and you go out and you let the kit man set up and everyone says, how are we going to have a look on the pitch? <laughs> and then you'll come back in and certain, uh, one of the coaches will go, what's it like? You see every week, green with white lines on, same as everywhere else. <laughs> and it's just one of them things and, and that's what it was. You know, it was a massive, massive occasion, don't get us wrong, but it was it was just a, another game of football for us. Um, and it was just so... Frustrating and, and sad the, the way it went down. Really, I think you don't you don't realise the magnitude of it until you look back on it. And and sadly, where Hartlepool are this at this time, you realise how far away we were then. You know what I mean? We were, we were trying to get promoted to the championship. We were playing in a massive stadium against a really big club in Jeff Wed, and we were competing. It wasn't there, like we didn't have a chance to win that game. And I mean, my my biggest memory is when you look back in this, I just remember driving to the ground and seeing all the Hartlepool fans. And mm. it, 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 it's like when I was little and watching FA Cup, you see the bus pulling up, you know I mean? It sent shivers down your spine. And, and it was just the feeling of, of how proud you were. And then you see the, your family there and you see all the, the crowd when you're warming up. And, and once a game kicks off, like Nell says, it, it is a game. You don't, you don't really understand the surroundings anymore because you're just playing a game. But... I remember that time before the game thinking, Do you know what, this this could be as as big a game as I ever played. Well, leading them out, Mick, I mean, I know your, your memory's notoriously bad, so I'm pleased you can remember at least some of it. But leading them out, that must have been such a buzz. It must have been the, you know, you, you did a lot of good things at Hartlepool over your career, but that must be the pinnacle. Yeah, I think, well, it, I think it has to be. But as usual, I can't really remember. I remember leaving the tunnel. I remember walking out onto the pitch and just remember how hot it was. I just felt yeah. that heat me. And then the next thing I remember is I mixed up the handshakes. I went the wrong way. I took the lads the wrong way. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this is going to look good on Sky, messing all this up. But no, I think for myself and for my family on that day, it's something now I even look back when I watch the video or I put it on YouTube and you just think walking out that tunnel is the highlight of my football career, you know what I mean? And, and, and to be so close to leading Hartlepool in the championship as it is now, um, will it ever be done again? Will anyone ever get that opportunity to do that? And that fills me with immense pride. It was obviously by that stage we were at the Millennium Stadium. Neil Cooper had left, hadn't he, we, uh, a couple of weeks earlier. And, and Martin Scott came in. Now, Martin was obviously, a, you know, he'd, he'd worked with Neil. They were very tight. And in the early days of Neil and Martin, it was just a comedy act. They were like a duo, weren't they? Um, what was it like when Martin took over them? Was that a difficult transition for the players? Not, not, really, um, not really that season because everything just... Yeah. Because we, we had that to look forward to. Obviously, we went down to um, Bournemouth, wasn't it? To go down to Bournemouth. Yeah, Bournemouth, yeah. Bournemouth and uh, got, the, got the result down there. And then just sort of, we were ju just in that, still in the bubble, still riding a wave of just doing our 
doing our jobs and getting on with it. And to be honest, Martin did, Martin did a lot of coaching, didn't he? Yeah, Scott, he didn't have to change anything really for that, apart from pick the team. He didn't really have to do much because you can't really train that much in the time between yeah. the season, playoffs, whatever it is. So you apart from pick the team, he's going to tweak. But just going back to the Bournemouth game, I remember being in the hotel um, the night before and um, Coops actually rang me. Anyway, look, Mickey, whatever happens, make sure you, you win that game and you leave the lads out. And he was tearful, he was, he was upset, and he was, he, you could hear it in his voice. But I thought, you know what, that just shows the size of the man, really. That, yeah, the measure of him. And how disappointing he was that he put the team ahead of any feelings that he had. Yeah. And then, and then the next season after, after Cardiff, you know, there was, I think that's probably the only time, and I don't know, I've not really spoke about it with with Ken a lot since he left, but that maybe Iowa just got a little bit carried away and they started throwing a little bit of money at it. They hadn't, yes, they'd thrown some money at it, but that summer, the players that came in and the squad size we went with and, and everything, it was like we were suddenly expected to, to be up in the top three, four in the division. It was, it was quite a lot of pressure, I guess, for the lads. Yeah, I think... Um... Some of the players who came in came in on on decent contracts and stuff mm-hmm. as well, um, and I think there was quite a big, quite a big turnaround. Um, and obviously, Martin probably wanted to to put his own stamp on it as well. Um, I can't really remember. Can't really remember it, tactically whether we changed mm. that much or whether it was just personnel and, and everything and it just didn't click um, I'm not sure really but uh, for some reason it, it could have been the pressure it could have been the you know being in the playoffs two seasons in a row all of a sudden everyone's knows about you now the the wary of you it wasn't just a fluke that first time round um, it's probably a combination well, think, of things I think you've got the, the fact as well that now this was Scotty's team this was this wasn't Coops' team anymore that Scotty was leading. This was Scotty's team, and mm. and now Scotty had to show everyone how good he was as a manager, how what he was going to do. And Agus came in, and Agus obviously brilliant coach. But now Scotty stepped up into the the role where, and I only did it for two or three games, where every single person is looking for you for an answer. Yeah. And and then all eyes are on you, and I think that that was the start of when. That's got his team, and, and, and a lot of pressure comes with that, you know. And I know speaking to staff that, that Mark was so determined that he wanted to do really well, and he was so that he wanted to be in charge of, of so many different things. Everything, yeah. He wanted to be in, to tell the physio, look, this needs to be, and it, 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 and I really do believe he was doing it out of the good place. But I think it's hard when you're the manager not to let other people lead their departments, and I think. That is a really a, a, a lesson that can be learned. You know what I mean? That you've got, if a physio is a physio, you've got to try and let him lead that. But I do really think that it was done because he was so determined. He wanted to be everyone to be professional and to be a winner and get things the way he wanted. Mm-hmm. It was it was a hard season, wasn't it? it, it you, you know, you, you kept on expecting there to be a turn. They kept on expecting because this team shouldn't be doing so badly, but it was just. You know, floating towards relegation the whole time. I think we went to um, Colchester away, and I was thinking, "Oh God, we're, we're going to get relegated." I think Darren Williams got sent off for something, and I was like, "That was the first time when I really thought 
we're going to get relegated here. There's just, it's just not going away. It was just hard to, once you get into that form, I guess, like good form, it's, you get into a losing habit as well. It is. You, you know, you speak about the, um, spoke about before, going in and enjoying your training and not really taking it in because you just, you're in that bubble and you're just going in, having fun, enjoying it and winning every week. And then when, you, when you're at the other side of it, it's, mm. it's a grind going in, like trying to dig you. And when you're one of the, you're one of the players and you've got the, pers- like the, the type of personality of trying to pull others through it as well, you're trying to go in and do, do your job. A bit like Martin as well, like Mickey's just said there, he's, you know, he's so determined to do well. Mm-hmm. He's maybe trying to do more than what he should. And I think that some players probably did that as well. You're trying to do your job, but you're trying to pull everyone else through it. You're trying to keep everybody else upbeat and give everyone else a bit of hope. And maybe that takes a little bit out of you um, and takes a little bit of the, the, the good percentage out of you trying to pass it on to others where sometimes you, you know, do you be a little bit selfish, focus on yourself and try and lead by example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just trying to figure it out at the time. And for that period, we just couldn't figure it out as a, as individuals or as a, a collective group. Yeah. I remember we were, we were training one day and I can't remember where in the season it was, but we're having a practice match. So you needed 22 players to play a practice match. Mm. And I'm not going to tell you the player that was left out because I don't want to, to, to put their name on it, but there was an experienced, good player left out of the 22. And it was almost like it was done to say, look, I'm in charge here. And, and it was just little things like that where you, you thought, you know what, I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to stand your authority in that way. And that sort of... You could feel a sense of it that, that there was an, an uneasiness about the place. It wasn't like it had been. There wasn't that fun factor really anymore. There was people having arguments and people falling out with each other, players falling out, staff falling out with players. And and I don't know. I just I remember looking back and thinking, you know what? That was a that wouldn't have happened this, the two or three seasons before that. You talk about arguments and and fallouts. Of course, that season was. Famous, I guess you could call it, for a, a bust up in the dressing room, and and people have often talked about what went on in there. I mean, what we're fifteen years on, they're fourteen years on now. I mean, was it just a normal thing in the dressing room, or did what 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 went on? What went on in that in that change room? It was Nelson's fault because he had a horrific touch, and I ended up getting sent off because he had a bad touch. Right, <laughs> wasn't <laughs> No, it was look. Some people probably think it's um, it's one of them where it's like a oh, major incident and it's never known that before and stuff like that. I've seen I've seen things worse than that in in dressing rooms. I've seen uh, seen a lot worse. I've seen managers and players throwing fists at each other and, and all sorts. I think. And, I think- and I, I honestly believe this to this day that I, I remember Ben Clark coming in. I was I'd been sent off, so I was sat there and it would be beat three or four one, I think. Mm-hmm. And Ben Clark come in, he sat down, and Clark is as honest as a day is wrong. You'll not get a more honest person in the world than Ben. And Scotty come in, and you you know when someone is that angry, the, the, the 
can't control themselves. And I totally understand, understand the pressure of the job. Yeah. You want to do well. But he, he literally couldn't sit still. He, he was up and down. He was sitting. He was, he was fidgeting. And he just turned to Clarky and went, um, you were absolutely shocking today. And Ben being Ben went, yeah, you're right, Gaffer. But I think Scotty took it as that Clarky was taking the mitty. Like yeah. his tone was, and Ben wasn't. Ben was the same. I agree with you. I was next. I was sat next to Ben, and it, I think it was because he he said it. Scotty said like said something to him, and Clark he was like like Mickey says Clark he agreed with him, mm-hmm. and like nodded his head, and then he said something to him again, and he like nodded his head again, and I think it was the second time he did it. He thought he was like being sarcastic, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it came from. Yeah. Um. And like Mickey says, Ben's just. Ben's just being honest. He knew, he knew, he knew none of us played. None of us were playing well. We were all shocking. It could have been anyone that he could have had a pop at. So that was what because he got sent off. That was what provoked a, a reaction. Then that went from there. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I, like Nell said, I, it could have been anyone. He could have, and if it, it might have been me, and I might have gone, oh, I disagree with you. Whatever. I don't think it mattered what was said at that time. He was. He Scott. He was angry. And he was in a rage, and then all of a sudden, like, well, now you were closer to me because I was at the side. But this bottle of juice just comes flying over the table. Powerade, powerade it was. Powerade. I remember thinking at the time, if that hits someone, you're in trouble. There, <laughs> like, just, yeah, fair, like Clark, he was swift to give it a. <laughs> and then, and then like, it, tracksuit, like. That's when it kicked off. I think Tink stood up and was like, "You're out of order there. You, you can't do that." And, I remember, I think it was Daz Williams and else had all the Scotty. Daz and uh, I think it might have been Big John there as well. Big John and, did. And, and Scotty's trying to, to do this and push him off. And and then he, it, it sort of, I mean, as you say, my, my memory, I, I remember it sort of settling down for a little bit and Scotty trying to sit back down on the on the kit skip and then trying to talk again. But by this time, I mean, the lads were going absolutely mental. I think one of the stewards ran in. come in, didn't he? Steward, Steward came in, in yeah. and that kicked off. So Scotty started having to go at him. <laughs> <laughs> Just starting to calm down. He come bursting in with his big <laughs> I remember, I remember the, the steward come in and Scotty told him where to go in no uncertain terms. And, and the steward turned around and went, who's he talking to like that? <laughs> He's going to have a fight with him soon. Brilliant. Um, so move, moving on from there, Nils. Obviously, you, you stayed at the club um, 2009. I think you left. Did you in the yeah. end? Now, when you left, there was all this this hoo ha, wasn't there, about something you were supposed to have said in in your Norwich press conference, which I think you were more or less bigging up what a big club you joined in Norwich, weren't you, rather than belittling Hartlepool because. I know you've got a lot of respect for Hartlepool, so you wouldn't. Well, let's let's be honest. During during my first season at, at Norwich in League One, the same league Hartlepool were in, our average gate was better than four Premiership clubs. Our yeah. average home gate. So, like, if anybody thinks I'm, I was belittling Hartlepool by by that, then you know I think they've got a I think they've got a screw loose. To be honest, I've uh, I've had words with few Hartlepool fans in the town when I've been back for occasions with things, them having gripes with us and when I've explained to them everything that's went on, they're pretty much in agreement with us. But, you know, you go to a club like Norwich and it's 
there was a there was a there was bits and pieces of what came out which I wasn't happy with um during the time of me agreeing to go to Norwich, um, which was the fact that uh, I think Chris Turner did a did a piece in the Hartlepool Mail which said they had offered Hartlepool had offered us a contract to stay, which would match any contract in um in that league. Any other club would offer us in that league and um it was more near. It was uh, a rise from what I was on, but not a not a big rise. Um, I think what upset a lot of people, Nels, was when in your press press conference you said your contract at Norwich would give you enough money that you could buy the town of Hartlepool. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's that's what upset us with Chris Turner. I got that. I got that. Um, I got that article sent to us um, the night before my wedding, um, and I actually rang Chris, and he wouldn't take me call. Um, so I had to ring Russ Green and speak to him. Um, and Russ took me call. Russ took me call after about five calls. Yeah, um, and I just said like. I've got no problem with them speaking about us in the press, but don't don't make things up that you can match you can match a deal when or see it would be a deal that would compete with anyone in that league when it wasn't. Um, but Nels, when 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 you left, from a player's point of view, not one player in that dressing room was thinking, "Why is Nels left?" Do you know what I mean? Not one player would have had any gripe or any issue. With someone that was playing for Hartlepool at the time leaving the player for a club like Norwich, the thing was, it was like the club was massive. The opportunity was massive, and and you look at it, <laughs> we got promoted to the Premier League in two seasons in the following two seasons. Yeah. So, so like, I think I think my decision was was justified. But people say, oh, I greedy went for the money. <laughs> I did go for the money as well. Okay. That, that was. I was. It was 2009. I was 29 years old, and they offered us a offered us a two year deal on decent money. Yeah. I was. I was going somewhere. I was going somewhere to do the exact same job. I was doing to get paid a lot more money to do. But it, I'm, it, I'm not talking moving from 40 grand to 50 grand, and like it. You know, that's not really a massive difference. This was a. This was a. A bit of a difference to, to my life and my family's life. And I've, I've explained it to people in the past. If you work at Nissan and Vauxhall come in and say, want you to come, want you to, come to us um, to do the exact same job you're doing at Nissan, but we're going to double your money. You go, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm staying at Nissan, me. Um, I love this job at Nissan. I love this company. You go to Vauxhall for double your money, wouldn't you? That's it, Nissan. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, so that's why sometimes I get people say I'm not moving. I don't like when some people say, oh, I'm not moving for the money. The money does play a factor, and you've got to be upfront and you've got to be honest about that, and it did play a factor. It no, wasn't an over, overriding factor, but it, it was a big factor, in it? It wasn't the fact that you were leaving Hartlepool. To go and sign for a club that was in a lower league with a with a worse ground and worse training facilities that were giving you more money. Because then you would have gone for the money. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? You were going for a bigger club mm -hmm. with better facilities. You ticked all boxes for you. And like I said, I don't think anyone, any player at the time thought, that's a bad move for else. No, I loved it down there. It was brilliant. Um, unfortunate that it, it ended a little bit sooner than than it was forecast to. But again, um, circumstances played a part in that as well. Because you, you scored the way the goal that took them up, didn't you? Yeah, we like my season couldn't have started any worse. Um, got absolutely smashed seven-one off Colchester. Yeah. Uh, Lambert came in and just. I actually thought when he came in, I thought, oh, this could be good for me because I knew he had a double adders when I was at Hartlepool um, when he was at Colchester. I knew he had an interest, so I thought this might be good. Came in and then the first squad, I wasn't even in. <laughs> I was in the stand. <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is not going well. Um, but then I managed to get myself back in and um, scored the goal down at Charlton to, to get us promoted, um, which Norwich fans still going about now, which is... Like just unbelievable, and of course you also managed to score the Vic. I did, yeah. That was me. That was actually my first start under Lambert. Um, I'd been out the team, and then he he, um, he put us on the bench for the the cup game, the league cup game against Sunderland at home. Um, and one of the lads got injured. Uh, I think it was Jens Berthlaski who got injured, and he chucked us in at Hartlepool first first start for him, um, and scored that little tap in. Um, Again, one else you could good management from him. You could say, do you know what I mean? It, it, whether it, whether it's thrust upon him or not, it, it could be classed as good management, couldn't it? Putting you in there. No, to be fair, I think I think he what he did when he came in was good. Um, I think he did like us, and I think he always had a plan of playing of getting us in the team. Um, but I think he wanted to make a bit of a statement because he he took me out the squad, uh, he took Gary Doherty out the squad and he took Wes Houlihan out the squad completely. Um, Gary Doherty and Wes Houlihan were training with the kids at one stage and like obviously the lads who were there and he took some young boys in and he obviously backed the, the majority of the squad, the majority of the team to look after them young boys and pull them through and get them the results while them experienced players were, were out of sight. Yeah. And then he gradually brought, he brought Wes back in um, I got back in through injury, and then uh, and then when I got injured, um, Gary Doherty came back in, um, and me and Doc pretty much were mainstays till the end of the season. And Wes Houlihan was just unbelievable. So I think he, he made a bit of a statement, especially by doing it with Wes and, and, and Doc, because they were on big big money down there, and it, everybody thought they were just going to be two first names on the team sheet, and they were training with the kids. And I just think it was good management by him to, to do that. Talking of good management, actually, I've just realised, I've skated, you've talked all about relegation and all the disgustingness of that, and then not mentioned the fact that we bounced back straight away the following season. Under really good management under Danny Wilson. I mean, where does he rank in terms of you two and in, in, in your managers you've had? I think for me, Mark, I've said it before, I think he, he's the best manager I've I've had as an overall manager, I think his work on the training ground was brilliant, his, um, his detail was good, and his man management was, yeah. was absolutely fantastic. I remember it was pre-season, I think it was my testimonial year, and I, I, I said, Danny can have a word. And I, 
I'd looked at the team and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to be playing much here. So I went to see him and I was like, Danny, look, I'm not the type of guy that can just sort of sit. And so I was like, I'm, I would like you to choose someone else as captain. Mm-hmm. And he went, um, why would I do that? He said, you're the captain and you'll always be the captain while I'm here. As long, if you're playing, you're captain, end of. And I thought, and I was relieved in a way because I didn't want someone else to be yeah. captain. But it was just little Stop things it. like that. I remember, I remember going in, and and I always remember a few of the other lads coming out, going in. Right, I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him I should be playing, and I'm going to cause riot in his office. And come out in the proper calm and mellow. And I, and and only when you work with Danny, you realise what he does because he says you'll go in and say, "Captain, why am I not playing?" Which is the player's first question always. And Danny used to turn it around. And say, well, you tell me why you're not playing. You tell me why you think you're not playing. <laughs> you might say, well, my passing's been a bit off. My crossing's not very good. My defending. And you turn around and go, well, maybe you just work on those three things for us in training. If you can improve on them things, you'll probably get back to the team. So he's never, he's not giving you any negatives. You've told him what he was going to tell you, but he hasn't come across as a bad guy. So you've seen some lads go and ask why they're not playing. Talk themselves out the squad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he, he he was happy to chat me, he, and he'd learned that through his management. And for me, that's why overall as a manager, he was fantastic. I just remember that the, obviously the season he came in, we were more or less. I mean, I think that season, all three teams, well, three of the teams that came down, went back up automatically, didn't they? That 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 same following year, and we were expected to go back up. And we had a sort of rough start, didn't we? We were sort of patchy. We had a few results here and there until obviously the Accrington game in November. And I remember watching his body language and his post-match interviews and the way he conducted himself at the time when we were struggling and he was under a little bit of pressure was exactly the same as he was doing when we were 20 games unbeaten. Yeah. Nothing changed. He, he said to me one day, he was like, Mickey, the one thing you need to learn if you want to be a manager is if someone comes into our dressing room or into our canteen, they shouldn't know whether you've lost three games in a row or you've won three games in a row because your demeanour shouldn't tell them that. And what you said there, Mark, just sums that up. You wouldn't that, know. That's exactly it. Because he must have felt like just puffing a big cigar, do you know what I mean? It looked easy from the sidelines what was happening. But he literally was exactly the same. It was... Yeah. He, he was magnificent to work with. He was a superb bloke. I think, I think sometimes that's why in the early stages when we weren't going well, I think that's why he got a bit of criticism because he was so calm on the touchline in the dugout compared to Coops. Yeah. Coops was like kicking and heading every ball, animated. You knew exactly how Coops felt at the time. And we spoke about Coops in terms of like, we went through training and went to the, um, went into the games at the weekend and played and, can't really remember getting a lot of detail and stuff like that where, yeah. like Mickey says, Danny was the opposite. You knew what he wanted on a Saturday. Like, he he spoke about the opposition and their weaknesses and identified their weaknesses and, you know, maybe changed us and tweaked us to, to suit different oppositions. Yeah. Um, and his detail on the training pitch with, with the team in as a whole, then the departments and then the individuals within them departments was very good. Um, and I think that's that's the, the the main thing I can say about Danny was um, his attention to detail 
Um, we did a lot of work as a back four and a goalkeeper that year, didn't we? We did a lot yeah. of after training, extra training, either doing headers, clearances, working as a unit. And Danny liked to do that. He, he wanted those units to work together. And I think that season is the most I've ever done as a back four, as terms of just repetition over and over again. Right? If, if you head it there, this is where we're going to. And just working and working and spending hours and hours and hours on doing that. Yeah, Butts was very good when he Butts, Butts did a lot of the back four sessions, um, and uh, they work they work well together. But uh, like you say, that Accrington game was a bit of a turning point, and you see about you you couldn't notice any difference in his demeanour, but I bet you could notice a little difference in his walk second half after kicking that physio table at half time. <laughs> he went broke his half time, he? Physio table had a kid skip one of the two. He tried not to show that he was hurt, but phew, I, bet he, I bet he was nearly crying when we left the dressing room. I think, it was, I think that was the only time I, I remember him being angry. I can't. He used to have a save, didn't he? That's he why we went on a 20-odd game unbeaten run, because we didn't want to yeah. see it again. He used to sit <laughs> us on a Thursday or a Friday. We'd be like, lads, Sunday morning, you need to be sitting in your front room. And we'd be like, Gaffer, what are you talking about? He went, well, if you win, you can have your Sunday dinner in your front room and everyone can see you because you're proud that you've won. If you lose, you have to hide out in the back. And we used to have a right laugh and be like, Gaffer, we're sitting in the front room this weekend. He was like, I hope so, lads, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was superb. Like, and uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a great day down at Wickham. Obviously, on the uh, way at Wickham getting the promotion, that was glorious as well. The boiling hot sunshine. Um, I think you did the well. You did do the commentary with us that day, Mick, didn't you? And it was uh, it was some afternoon. Yeah, I remember doing the commentary, and then as soon as the game finishes, running down with the lads. Yeah. I, actually, I actually watched it on the telly the other day, and it's it, when you look back, it's gutted that you didn't play, but it was a brilliant day um, to get promoted. I think just the, the weather and the crowd and everything on the day was fantastic. Yeah, it was just that uh, them images and videos from down that bottom end where you come out the, come out the tunnel um, where the away fans were celebrating down there. Um, Bark's got the goal and um, it was just unbelievable. Um, great times and, you know, memories that year that last a lifetime. And I know this has been said, but like you two and, and everybody else who were part of those squads, that tells you exactly how special it was because you're just so friendly even to this day. You know, I'm sure you've played with Dozens and dozens of people over the years, but this squad, you, you all stay really in touch still now, don't you? Yeah, we're trying um, try and catch up when we can. We had a barbecue round at Mickey's um, a couple of years ago. I think he's just managed to. Yeah, we all took some food round. I think he had the last burgers just last week. I think that much food got But now we are we close WhatsApp groups and stuff like that, and um, try to just. Just keep in touch and try to have try to meet up when we can. Um, it's a little bit more difficult now, but was it last year we went out for Sunday roast, Mick? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I think all the wives and stuff. I was actually looking through some old photos the other day, and and I remember being on holiday with you, Nelson, and the kids are little together and they grew up together. You know what I mean? And Ollie and Kyle know each other now, and. And, and you, you look back at things like that and you think, well, 
we used to meet up on holiday, we used to meet up here, we used to meet up there, and, and the kids and all the wives and, and everyone, like Richie's mum and dad used to look after Holly when he was in matches, and do you know what I mean? And you could, you could trust the people, you relied on them, and, and, they, and they became one big family, and that's why I still think now, that like, like Nelson just said, that it's, like you message someone, it's like you're back in the dress room, it's like you're just back into those days, and it's, it's fun straight away again. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate that, mate. And and all the oh, best. Yeah, with, all, right. all the best with uh, the rest of the lockdown and, and when things get up and running at Blythe. We're, we're all wishing you a very uh, best of luck there, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Cheers, Mick. No oh, doubt we'll speak yeah. soon, mate. Take care. I'll be in touch. And um, look, we'll have a, a new podcast out. Uh, we're going to try and get regular guests on here. So uh, look out for the next Switch of Play and we'll be back. And uh, if you've got any suggestions about who you'd like us to, to speak to next, then get in touch as well on our socials. Please don't.